This the remix. I'll start with some uh, news I've just been made aware of, um, really in the last basically 30 minutes. I'm certainly aware of the, um, that Nate Hobbs is involved in an incident. Um, and uh, we're just trying to collect as much information as we possibly can on what exactly happened and what the situation is and um, where he's at with that. Um, uh, that being said, that's all I have really on that at this particular time because that's all I know. Come on! Well, again, I, I don't have all the information on that, but uh, um, I feel good about saying they've been hit over the face with um, distractions and, and things of that nature. We, we're, we're very cognizant of the city in which we live in. So I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that and we'll, um, we'll see what it looks like by the end of the week. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. I just think it's funny how we're winning games. You know, it's just a story of our, our season. You know, uh, you know, we're turning the ball over. You know, we sometimes we don't get a first down. All these different kind of things and all this adversity, yet we find a way to win. And from what I hear, that's all that matters. <laughs> just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. <laughs> there he is, not listening. Right. Yes, yes. We, I got to bring this up. With there you. We is. talked about this yesterday, but this is okay. Two weeks ago, Rich Gannon tweeted out, what's the only stat that matters for quarterbacks? Wins, period, right? Didn't tag anybody in it, but it was very clearly about the debate between Rich Gannon and Derek Carr right. because for whatever reason, Raider fans love to debate Rich Gannon versus Derek Carr. And Rich Gannon was obviously staking his claim as like, listen, I'm better than Derek Carr because I, you know, yeah, won what? some games yeah. every now and then. Then Derek Carr, after they beat the Colts, that was the sideline or the post-game interview with the sideline reporter on Fox, goes out of his way to say, we keep winning. And as far as I hear, that's the only yeah. thing that matters. Like, He's taking shots at He's, Rich Gannon in his post-game press conference. Carr is the most predictable guy in the world that reads, <laughs> hears, listens, cares about everything, and then disputes that by saying, I don't read, care, listen, or hear so anything. Great. It's just, I Make don't. And, and if it's not him, then the brothers are telling him. That's so great. If he doesn't see it, and he's, you know, look, he's a busy guy. I get that. If he doesn't see it, the brothers are telling him. Oh. It's, it's just amazing how he drops that stuff in there. And you think he'd, I don't know, be... Maybe he doesn't care, but when you fight it as much as he has that he doesn't care what people think, it's amazing that he keeps dropping in there so he can tell us, you know what, I, I, I hear everything. Okay, he's he's so close to being like exactly what I would love in an athlete if he would just like openly admit, yes, I saw the Rich Gannon tweet and it annoyed me. Yes, yeah. I saw the Tom Brady thing. I Like if he would just come out and just admit to it, and then take all the shots because I, I, the shots at people are great. I love that. Like take shots at people. Like when you win a game, right? And people, whatever, doubted you, criticized you, and you take a shot at those people. That's phenomenal. I just want him to be all out in front of it, admitting, like, absolutely, I read that story or I heard what so and so said, and now I'm gonna fire. Like, if he would just get out in front of it, admit to all of it, and then take the shots, oh, it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. I took one at Adam Hill. What two weeks ago? When afterwards uh, on the field again, he, he he does a lot of this stuff on the post game field interviews with these uh, sideline reporters. It was well, everyone's worried about my contract and what they're going to do with me and be extended. It's like, oh, you mean the story Adam wrote in the paper about your contract and you being extended? And <laughs> I mean, it's just 
whatever. Like I said, it, he's not fooling anyone. I don't. I don't care if he cares about. The, I don't know if he cares about that. Probably not. He probably doesn't care. He's got more important things on his mind than what we think about or what we talk about or what we care about. It's just hilarious. It's hilarious that he fights the notion that he doesn't listen to anything, and yet we know he listens and hears everything and reads everything. Probably. All right. On the Derek Carr conversation here. Is he like clutch? Like, I don't believe that clutch is real, right? I No, like, clutch is momentum. Oh, Jesus. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. But we have this season, and honestly, Derek Carr's career, a lot of examples of Derek Carr playing poorly for the majority of a game. Minutes. <laughs> yes. And then... Guess what? It's a close game. There's two minutes to go. And here comes Derek Carr, one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And it's it it continues to happen. And it happened against the Colts. He made listen, the third down throw to Hunter Renfro to that sealed the game for them, right? That's like one of the best plays of his right. career. There was a free rusher. Right. He avoided the guy in the yep. pocket. We're talking about the guy who we've criticized for years for not being good in the pocket when there's pressure. He just stepped around yep. the guy, stepped up, and then... It's a great play. Hunter Renfro's not open. It's right. not like, ah, oh, Renfro's wide open. He throws Hunter Renfro open. Like, that's one of the best plays of his career. Right. But he had been awful for almost the entire yes. game and then makes that play. And I I can't figure out how to evaluate Derek Carr because he's not been good... But because the defense doesn't give up a lot of points, they're in a position, and he makes big plays. And well, is that why he's a top one play? Game? We say twelve to fifteen because when it matters most, he's at his best. But, but, but yes, it's you see that he's capable of it, and you're like, okay, where was that for fifty-eight yeah. minutes? <laughs> what were you doing for fifty-eight minutes? What about those two interceptions? And, like nobody's going to be that. Like nobody's going to be at their peak no, for that long. No. Like. Rodgers and Mahomes, like we see it from guys like that. Even Mahomes is oftentimes, he'll be bad Mac for Jones two Mac Jones had a game where he didn't complete a pass. <laughs> but for Carr, it's like he's got it for two drives a game. Two drives a game, that guy is the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. The other eight or however many they have, you don't want that guy near your team. Right. And I just, I can't figure out what to do with that because I, when the defense gives up 17 points... You got a great chance. You're probably going to win the game. But, like, if the defense gives up 24, like, if the defense had given up 24, we understand that, right? If the defense had given up, actually, 20 points the last four weeks, they're 1-3 and Yes. instead of 4-0 or 3-1. Yeah. 3-1. 3-1. They've won three straight. That's not a good quarterback. You're not going to convince me that that's good. You're not going to convince me that's good. But also at the same time, I watched the guy make an unbelievable play to basically win the game against the Colts. And it's like, all right, I yes, that was awesome. So I I just don't know how to evaluate the guy because what what is that? I genuinely what I'm thinking about is that one of my favorite stories where Chauncey Phillips would egg the ref on to give Rasheed Wallace a tech because he would just be he would play unfocused until he got one tech. We need somebody to just like grab Derek Carr before the game and go, we're already down by 17. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's zero, zero. No, we're down by 17. You got to lead us down the field. Derek, the NFL hates the Raiders so much that we're starting the game starting down, the 17, game down 17. There's that like, cliche again. I look. I mean, is is that go, does that go back to your theory? And you and I talked about it yesterday. That is that quarterback that only plays well in you know two drives a game, 
Is that why he can't win a Super Bowl? Because yeah, I don't oh, know. Yeah. If, that, I don't know if he can win a Super Bowl not being good for fifty-eight. No, minutes. you're. It's amazing that they've won three in a row right now and are in the position they're in, given how bad the offense has been the last yeah. three weeks. Like that's it, genuinely amazing. You are not winning four games in a row to win the Super Bowl. Like playing that way because unless COVID strikes. You're not getting to play Nick Mullins and right. he might play Carson Wentz in the playoffs, but you're not getting Drew to Locke. play Nick Mullins and I Drew hope, Locke. Like, I hope I get to play that Carson Wentz. Yes. Yes. But like, oh, he's brutal. Like if you're going, if they're going to win the Super Bowl, right? Their path is going to be like Kansas City Kansas and Patrick City Mahomes, Buffalo. Well, you probably, if Tennessee. they win, they'll probably get Tennessee, Tennessee and maybe Buffalo. Ryan Tannehill. And then yeah, Buffalo and Josh Allen, Cincinnati and Joe Burrow All on the road. Right. You're not beating three good teams with three good quarterbacks that aren't Nick Mullins or Drew Locke. You're just not doing that with the offense they've been playing the last three weeks. You'll beat Nick Mullins. You'll beat Drew Locke. You'll beat Carson Wentz, which granted that is a playoff team, right? Colts are solid, but like you're not beating three good teams in a row playing that way. So yeah, you're not going to win a Super Bowl unless you can get him to play like that on Six or seven drives Six a of game drives. instead right. of... Because, again, nobody's going to be awesome for all no. ten drives they get in the game. It's just... That's unrealistic. But Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes are awesome for seven of the eleven drives they get. For whatever, Carr is awesome for two of them, and that's... It's just not enough unless your defense gives up, like, yeah. eight points. And they haven't exactly given up just eight points against Patrick Mahomes. It's more like 58. Quickly, I want to compare what you said about John Morant to Hunter Renfro because you have down here as the number one wide receiver. And I think Hunter Renfro is really good. I, th- I think he's really good. But don't you believe that, and you, the question here is should they plan around him and Waller next season, don't you believe they'd be so much better? I, I just I think Hunter Renfro in the long term is a great, great number two. I don't think he's a leading number one guy. And I think he's good. I think his route running, I mean, I, I think he's really good. But I think if you're building around this, you need a number one receiver. And maybe that was Henry Ruggs in the long term, and we didn't even know it. Well, so I, I mean, for, for the future of the Raiders and for, like, roster building, if you're planning to build around Hunter Renfro as your number one receiver, you're basically saying this guy needs to be Cooper Cup. That's because Cooper Cup's a great route runner, and Cooper Cup is turned into a big play wide receiver. He's a great player. Hunter Renfro is still not, I mean, he makes big plays, no doubt about right. it, but he's still not like a deep threat where, yes, right. you're getting 40 yards all the time when he makes a catch. Cooper Cup's that guy. Yes. Like, Cooper Cup's awesome. I think that's unrealistic. But if we're talking about roster building, if we assume they're not blowing it up, I think they have bigger issues they need to figure out. Oh, I think like, they, I think they have bigger issues. In an, I in was an just ideal, going to the question yes. of is he a number one receiver? In an I ideal world, you have a number one wide receiver plus Renfro plus, plus Waller. Waller, and now you're talking about an unbelievable receiving group. But plus a joker, the, <laughs> the offensive line has been so bad that that has to be the number one concern. Again, unless if they blow it up, then whatever. But if they're kind of staying status quo, trying to get a little bit better. The offensive line has to be the number one spot you go. And I think you try to find your next Nelson Aguilar. You try to find, hey, this guy can be the deep threat, you know, de facto number one, even though Renfro and Waller get more targets, but the de facto outside number one wide receiver. And hey, we can get Nelson Aguilar type player to give us an 800, 900 yard season. 
okay. think that's where you go because they've got bigger holes on the offensive line and defensively. I mean, the defense has been better, but Casey Hayward's on a one-year contract, right? Uh, Yannick Ngakwe will still be around. The defensive line should still be intact, but like the linebacking group, Denzel Perryman, are you bringing him back? You're bringing Hayward back. Like you're going to have to spend money other places that wide receivers, I think a little lower on okay. the concern list. So Hunter Renfro might be your number one wide receiver next year. And here's the thing before the year, like we talked about a lot, he was a nice, he's a nice wide receiver. He's, he's a wide receiver. slot wide receiver. He's yeah. good. There's no reason to, you don't need to go find somebody better than him to be your slot receiver. It's great. He's been so good this year. Yep. That it's not the craziest thing to say, Hey, can that guy be the number one wide receiver on the team? Again, I'm with you. You're better off. If you have, I think you're better off. If you get somebody else. better than him, but He's been awesome. I mean, he's top Zay 15. Jones. He's top he's 15 pro football focus ranks. He's top 20 in receiving yards. Like, he's really, really good. He's been unbelievable this year to a point where you can you can act, you can genuinely have the conversation. Hey, do we need somebody better than Hunter Renfro, or can we survive with Hunter Renfro as the best receiver? I think it'd go a long way if Darren Waller was healthy. Like oh, I, I think it'd go yes. a long yes. way because if you knew he was going to be healthy the whole season. Because if you absolutely. like, if you go Renfro Waller, the Renfro we've seen this year, the Waller we saw last year, oh, terrific! Yeah, that's two terrific. great, two great weapons for Carr to throw to, and you you don't really need a better wide receiver than that. Those two should be good enough to get it done. So, yes, well, I'll, again, this is all more of a future conversation because right now he is a number one wide receiver oh, yeah. because. And he's good. Zay Jones is the only other one for him to throw the ball to. Like, so that's yeah. I mean, he's he's got to start be that, talking up Zay. Zay Jones, first ever 100 yard receiving game, big day. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs as we take a look at new UNLV athletic director Eric Harper. Bischoff's briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the equal rights amendment. Bischoff's briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's briefs. UNLV has a new athletic director. Eric Harper was the interim. He has been named the full-time athletic director at UNLV now. What I found to be kind of funny. He is going to be paid $420,000 a year through June 30th of 2026. That is the exact same length and con- uh, salary that Desiree Reed Francois had signed on her extension earlier in 2021. Not only is it the same years and same dollar amount, he has the exact same bonuses for like if a team goes to the NCAA tournament or wins a championship or APR and grades as well. Uh, he also has the exact same buyouts, right? If he were to leave UNLV right now, he would owe UNLV $500,000. And if UNLV were to fire him right now, they would owe him the rest of his contract minus $50,000 per year. So three seventy dollars a year instead of four twenty. I find it to be funny because it's a good metaphor for UNLV hiring the interim of, hey, let's take the easy, safe choice. Hey, let's just slap Eric Harper on the contract where it says Desiree Francois and have him sign it. Like it's very, it's the, it's the same exact contract, just a different, you're saying it's very UNLV of them. I mean, you hire the interim. It's a very, uh, you know, safe choice. It's an easy choice. choice. Yeah. If it doesn't work out everything, but it's the sort of the, Hey, this is just the guy who's here. Who's been doing it. Let's just keep him around. And do I really need to type up a new contract? Nah, we'll just keep, (laughs) we'll just, just white out Desiree Francois (laughs) and write in 
Eric Harper. Just find that to be funny. But here's my actual question on Eric Harper and UNLV Athletics. I need your help with this. What should be the goal of Eric Harper as the athletic director? Like, how are we going to define, hey, Eric Harper was a successful AD or Eric Harper was a failure as an AD? So the big goal or what's realistic? The big goal for that school should always be to get into a Power 5 conference. I don't think that's realistic. When they hired Desiree Reed-Francois, Lynn Jessup at the introductory press conference before Desiree Reed-Francois even spoke, said her goal is to get us into a power conference. That's what he put down from day one. I don't think it's realistic either. I don't think it's realistic. I think that's setting Eric Harper or whoever the AD is up. If that's, in fact, what Whitfield says. I don't think Keith Whitfield's going to say that. I don't think he'll say that out loud like Lynn Jessup does. I don't think he might even say it in, in private either. He might say, hey, that'd be nice, but I don't think he's saying, hey, this, this is your is goal. Your this is what you goal. have to do. So, obviously, if UNLV were to join a power conference with Eric Harper as the AD, that is a massive success. Yes. Nothing else matters. Right. Like Eric Harper, best AD in UNLV Double history. Double salary. Right. Oh, absolutely. But if they don't, and neither of us think that that's going to happen, right? If that doesn't happen, how are we defining success for Eric Harper? One bowl game. They don't have to win one on the bubble. (laughs) So here's my question for you. If Marcus Arroyo takes him to a bowl game, are we giving Eric Harper credit for that? He didn't hire the guy. But he he stuck with him. Next year and he goes to the Arizona Bowl. Yeah, we're giving him credit. Well, for for not next year. I don't think so. But I do think long-term, Eric Harper's main goals should be to to oversee a football and basketball, men's basketball program that gets to the postseason. So that's okay. I don't think that, look, they have a really good women's volleyball team, nothing against them. They won the uh, tournament, but at the end of the day, it's about football and men's basketball. It just is. So, okay. And we don't have to put actual numbers, but into the future, right? If we say four or five years from now, UNLV has been to a couple of bowl games and the basketball teams made the NCAA tournament, like the NIT once or something like that. Are we, we're looking around saying good job, Eric Harper. And so even if, have it's fun Arroyo. at your power five job. <laughs> yes. Even if it's Arroyo and Kruger that do it. Sure. We're, we're giving him credit, even though he didn't hire either Three, the football Three, four, five years coach. from now. Sure. Okay. All right. It's, en- it's enough removed from her. She didn't, she hired them, but he's, he's now over, he's now taking the job over from her. And I think four or five years from now, if like you said, they're in a bowl, they're in a couple bowl games and Kevin's been in the NSA tournament one, to, one or two times, four or five years from now, I'll give, I'll give Keith, uh, excuse me, um, Eric Harper credit. All right, on the other way, on the other side of it, Marcus Arroyo wins two games next year. He fires Marcus Arroyo, brings in his own guy. His own guy takes a couple of years because we've got to rebuild the program. Got to rebuild again. it in your own culture. So that culture out there. So we're looking three years from now, UNLV still no bowl games. And let's say Kevin Kruger, who's in his first year right now, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the Mountain West tournament. Year two comes along, UNLV doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Year three comes along, they're on the bubble, but don't make it. What are, are we deeming that failure? Because they I mean, haven't if we're been deeming in the postseason. It, if we're deeming it a success the other way around, then I'll deem it failure. Okay. I mean, if he hires his own, if Marcus Roy wins two games next year, which mean make him four and twenty six, I believe, because <laughs> he's two and sixteen now, which make him four and twenty six, and you have to move on from him, and you get your own guy two three years down the road. He's the same. He's the same guy, or maybe a little better. 
especially if he's your own guy, then it's a failure. Okay. If you if you identify a guy as your man. Which of those do you think is more likely? That Kevin Kruger gets him to an NCAA tournament in the next three years and Marcus Arroyo gets him to a bowl game and we're looking around saying, hey, oh. good job. Or Kruger doesn't make the NCAA tournament in three years. Arroyo wins two games, gets fired. New guy comes in and doesn't isn't any, isn't much better. Can I split it and say bat, football <laughs> ladder and basketball makes the NCAA tournament? You can if you want, I I'll guess. I'll split it. Is that success if only one of the programs gets to the postseason? I would vote yes. I would say if they get one, if they get UNLV in a couple of bowl games or UNLV in the NCAA tournament, I think you get one of those two things. I'd say it's success because it. Since I've lived here, Ed. Well, they can't do it. They have not been to a bowl game. No, or the NCAA, or the tournament. NCAA tournament. Neither no. one. No. Which is remarkable. You came after the Great Heart of Dallas Bowl. That came the very Howard? next year. Did I was you? here the very next year. After well, you were probably thinking, game. man, this is a great program. They they're going to the turn Dallas it around. Bowl. They're going to go. They're going to go to bowls uh, one year after and, the next. And they had just. It was either the year before or two years removed from had an gone NCAA, to the tournament. NCAA tournament. Yeah, it was. It was. This is it. So it was you. It was me. coming to I a have, winning town. I've ruined we, it. all your we positivity. Thought it was, we thought it was Cassie not getting engaged. Yes, but all your it was you. Just me the whole time. So I just, I feel like stepping in as the UNLV AD you're not in a great spot to get to a power conference, which is the ultimate, like that's the biggest thing you can do. And that's what a lot well, of fans are hoping for. I don't, I don't think it was realistic with DFR. Right. So yeah. the next question is what's the next level down to define success in say tournaments and bowl games. Right. And obviously if they get to both of those, it is a success. Yes, absolutely. I just don't think that's likely either. I don't think you can hire the guy and say, Hey, Get this football program and get this basketball program to the postseason. I don't think that's realistic because we're almost on a you decade and neither one's in done. In time it. or next year? In the next two to three years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously not right away, but in I the just next think basketball is a much better chance. I think football does. Oh, do you? I don't think basketball is going to the state tournament anytime soon. Wow. So you think football is a chance? Well, you got to win six games. You don't have to that, be good. That's true. You, you don't have to be good. You have to be good to make the state tournament. Yes. You do not have to be good no. to go to a bowl game. There are so many bowl games. I mean, you just have to have to have to have a pulse for bowl games. There's so many bowl games that teams this year were knocked out because their opponent had COVID and they went and gotten another game. Yes. I mean, that's how many opportunities. <laughs> I was thinking about that yesterday that UNLV has been to like the heart of Dallas Bowl and like I don't even remember the bowl before that. And I'm like, anyone can get to a bowl right. game. I mean, it's crazy. You got to win six games, right? So if you're UNLV, you, you win two or three non-conference games, right? Schedule bad. Schedule some bad teams, win two or three non-conference games. Then all you got to do is win four or maybe even three conference games. And you're not in a great conference. The Mountain no. West is fine, but there's a lot of bad teams in yep. this conference. Hawaii might not have a team next year. Everybody's gone for the The coach's son is gone. For the, the Hawaii State Senate is investigating the Hawaii football program. <laughs> they beat Hawaii next year, all right? That's one. And this well, just but I think it's more. there. So, you know, you go out to the <laughs> islands. Guys get distracted. And they're on the beach all day. All right. Coming up next. <laughs> Football doesn't work in Hawaii. John Von Tobel joins the show. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Joining us now is John Von Tobel. You can follow him on Twitter at MeJBT. Hear him on VSIN from 1 to 2. Uh, good morning. How are you today, John? Hey, Johnny. I'm good. You know, I'm actually, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm playing with fire. I'm feeding my infant son right now with a bottle oh, in my lap. Oh. With you, so. This is exciting. Uh, yeah, I, this you is could... kind of like a ticking time bomb. This is either going to go perfectly, you'll never know, or you're going to be screaming in a matter of minutes. Oh, I'm, I, 
I'm cheering for screaming. Well, we're, we want screaming, <laughs> so that's, uh, there's no question about that. All right. Help me out here. What should be my expectations when Clay Thompson comes back? Oh, I think they should be you know, like you know a little uh, tepid, right? Like he hasn't played in two years. Like there is a universe in which he comes in and he's extremely effective offensively, right? Because he plays off the ball. All he's got to do is get open and shoot. And and in this offense, you can kind of just stand to the corner a little bit and just kind of be like a better version of Harrison Barnes than they had him a few years ago, right? And just hit threes and then just kind of get into it a little bit slowly. Uh, I, I'm more curious what he looks like defensively, right? Because as we remember him, he was a legitimately good defensive player, like all defense-worthy in terms of the way that he played on that end of the floor. That's what I'm really excited to watch is how impactful can he be? What's the lateral movement like? How intense is he on that end of the floor? Because remember, this is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA right now, first in defensive efficiency and not garbage time minutes. I think that's what you're kind of looking for and, and seeing how good he is on that end. Because I think offensively, that stroke is fine. You can work on that when you're rehabbing. But it's how intense can you defend another player? Uh, that's, I think, the thing that we got to wait for, I think, to come along strong as the season goes along. Last night, uh, the Warriors beat the Heat. Steph Curry yep. was not good at all. I think he was one of 10 on threes. But Jordan Poole was great, and Andrew Wiggins was great. Are, are those going to be two guys that, like, in the postseason, are still going to be able to do that? Yeah, I think so. Like, so we, we know that Steve Kerr has said, that um, that Clay Thompson is going to start, right? He wants to put him out there, and he wants to be part of the starting lineup. So he's going to be out there. Poole will still run the bench, and his, that'll be his unit. You can still put those different lineups out there that's going to have Draymond and Steph with Jordan Poole out there. So I, I think there's definitely room for that, because keep in mind, you know, if you look at some of the numbers when Steph Curry gets off of the floor, they're actually, their offensive rating plummets. So even though they have Wiggins and they have Poole, and statistically they've been good, they still need a little bit more on the offensive end of the floor. You've seen it in certain games, right? You saw it last night offensively they can really put away the uh, heat yesterday and keep in mind Jimmy Butler was lost with an ankle injury in the third quarter Kyle Lowry was awful so I, I think you still need another offensive presence and Thompson's just going to help with that and also Jordan Poole's a little bit more ball dominant than Thompson so he can play alongside of him I think there's still plenty of ball to go around even with those two and Thompson back on the floor we had this discussion earlier about John Morant love watching him play uh just a terrific player Tyler asked the question though is John Morant good enough in the future where he doesn't need a better player around him to really contend for a title? Or is this Dame Lillard where he's going to be terrific, but they'll fall short because he's not good enough to get them a title? Oh, I think he definitely kind of needs somebody. I think it's just today's NBA, right? Like you just need somebody. Tell me the last guy who like did it quote unquote all on his own, right? Like Morant's awesome, but I, and you know, he, he, by the way, he, he might have it, right? Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a really good player at this point right now. If you look around, like the team of what he's got, Anthony Melton on the bench. We know about Brandon Clark, right, from Gonzaga and, of course, San Jose State and how good they've been. Like, they've done a tremendous job building that program up and that franchise up. But I, I still think in today's NBA, like, you need another guy alongside of him. But he's good enough to keep them, like, in postseason contention without another guy. After looking at him now, they're 10 games above 500. Is there a 2021 Phoenix Suns path for the Grizzlies? Like where you have the Devin Booker, John Morant, and you bring in, like, I don't know who their Chris Paul would be, but you bring in a Chris Paul. Like, is that a path for the Grizzlies to be a title contender? Yeah, I think so. I think if, it wouldn't have to be like a guard, right, like Chris Paul was. But I think if you're bringing in a dude that is, like, top-tier talent, kind of like a Chris Paul that can make a difference there, I think absolutely, like, there's enough there, and they have enough assets to maybe trade for one, too, if they want to kind of, like, push the envelope and, you know, get the timetable accelerated a little bit. I don't know if it's this year, but I think, like, if we're talking about, like, next year or something like that, if they want to do that, I think that's definitely in the cards because 
this is an insanely deep team. Like, I haven't even brought up Dylan Brooks and how good he's been defensively for that squad. Like, they've been incredible. So, I would say that's in the card. Just depends on who they grab. And I don't know, maybe it's Damian Lillard. I don't know how well they fit together. Maybe right. Like, I think you can always make things fit in the NBA, but I do think that they're one of those teams that they do grab a piece like that. What do you expect in terms of chemistry on the floor, everything with Kyrie? So this is interesting. I actually wrote about this the other day. I think it's actually going to be perfectly fine. Like, I think from an offensive standpoint, they'll flow. Everything will be great. One of the things about the Nets this year that people aren't really talking about is they're a top-10 defense team in terms of efficiency. So you wonder if, like, when he starts playing these road games, are they going to start looking a little bit more like the team they were last year, right, where they were a bottom 15 in terms of defensive efficiency. A lot of these games are going over because their offense was so good. Like, that's what I wonder, and I think that's probably going to be the case. I think defensively they just start to fall off when he's out, you know? All right, help me out here. What the hell happened in Houston with Kevin Porter and Christian Wood? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, especially, like, Christian Wood, by all accounts, has been, like, a model citizen. So it seems like maybe just the losing got a little frustrating. Remember, they went on that stretch. They were, like, 8-2 and two in 10 games, and it looked like maybe they weren't going to be as bad as we expected them to be. And then now they won, like, one out of their last 14 or something like that, and everything's falling apart. And Kevin Porter Jr., has a history of being, we'll call it cantankerous, uh, but it is surprising <laughs> to see that Chris Wood uh, was kind of alongside there. So uh, it looks like Porter challenged the coach and then, of course, pulled an Antonio Brown, and he reportedly left the game the other day at halftime. So it, it does seem like that's, you know, I thought it was turning around, right? We saw the wins, we saw them being competitive, we saw them covering spreads, but it turns out that was kind of cool holding against the top portion of the schedule. What do you think of Becky Hammond and the Aces? Like, you think that works out well for the Las Vegas Aces? Do you have any takes on Becky Hammond? Like, can you have takes on an assistant coach in the NBA? I, I, it's hard, right? Like, because it's not, it's not the NFL where you know, like, okay, this person is calling defensive plays. This defense is great. He is, has his fingerprints all over this. Let's make him our head coach, and maybe that defense will be good here, right? We don't really know exactly, you know, what the influences of a certain assistant coaches are in the NBA. But I would say, like, reading everything that you read about Becky Hammond and the way that she was respected by the Spurs organization and the players, that she's a good coach and that she's been waiting for an opportunity. And I think there's a reason. It's not just checking a box and saying, hey, we interviewed Becky Hammond. I think there's a reason uh, why she was getting interviews for NBA jobs. So I I would think that with a team, and look, my WNBA knowledge is somewhat fleeting, uh, but I, I would think a team that is as talented as Las Vegas Right, compare them almost to like the Golden State Warriors, right? Where there's a lot of talent, and you're just kind of waiting for the right person to unlock everything you have, and maybe put it in a new system. Maybe that's Hammond. Maybe her mind is actually going to come out here. She's going to move some pieces, tweak some schemes, and all of a sudden you unlock this team and you push them to the next level, like Steve Kerr did with the Golden State Warriors. Maybe not that dominant, but just makes them more championship worthy. And I think that's what you're going to get from her. On January 4th, and I know they won eight straight, and DeRozan's hitting these shots, and they look really good, but you have to make a decision about winning the NBA title. Are you buying or selling the Bulls? Mm, I think I'll buy, right? Like, in the sense that, like, look at the Eastern Conference. So I think Milwaukee's the best team in the Eastern Conference. Then you get Brooklyn, and we'll see what happens with Kyrie, if he's going to play home games or not. Because think about that. What if he doesn't? And so now you're going postseason games where (laughs) home games, you don't have Kyrie, but road games, you do. Like, that just seems like a really weird dynamic. The Heat are really banked up, and I don't think they've been as good as you know we expected them to be. Like the Bulls are, I think, the third best team in the Eastern Conference. So I would say, yeah, you buy on that because I like your chances if you're a top three team in that conference, right? You only got to get by Brooklyn with on again, off again, Kyrie and the Milwaukee Bucks. Are the Nets going to need to like tank to get a lower seed so they get Kyrie for more road games in the playoffs? <laughs> you're right. Like, <laughs> like who needs home court? You want Kyrie? You want your Kyrie advantage? So that would be on the road. Now I've been I've been pretty adamant 
that like at some point they'll work something out and he'll eventually take the shot. But I will say, you know, them kind of acquiescing to this point and allowing him to rejoin the team for road games, that doesn't really help my theory at all because now I'm thinking like he's probably going to sit back and go, oh, well, so I'm playing. Like, this is fine. I don't need to take the vaccine. All right. How are you feeling about the Colts after they lost to the Raiders? <sighs> you know, like that, that was such a quintessential Colts loss. Like, if you've seen any of these games, look, the Ravens game, they had a big lead and they blew it. They were playing lackadaisical in that one. They blew a big lead against Tennessee Titans. They blew a big lead against uh, the, um, they almost blew a big lead against the Patriots. And it's not that they had this lead against the Raiders, but they just have this sense of lackadaisical play where they'll string two quarters together, but not a whole four. And so it wasn't entirely surprising. And I like, I like this team a lot. And there's a lot to like about them. Carson Wentz leaves a little bit more to be desired in certain situations. He's very, very fickle in terms of the way that he plays. Like they have the pieces, they have a good enough defense and their offensive line's great, but they, they just haven't been consistent. So now you got to win in Jacksonville, a place you haven't won in since 2014. Like they're going to make the postseason. And I think they're still pretty good, but that sucks. Wait, what? They haven't yeah. won in Jacksonville since 2014. Yep, they haven't Blake won in Jacksonville. Look, at, look, go look back at it. Yep, 2014. And like, there's a couple like those Week 17 games that didn't mean anything in there, right? But no, they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Damn. If you remember last year, they opened the season in Jacksonville. They were eight and a half point favorites. Oh, they lost right. out right to the Jags. The Raiders are making the playoffs no they matter are. what. They're <laughs> all they need is the Jags to well, win, and even if they lose. I know you guys are appreciative of this. Uh, I think, I can't remember. There, there's something needs to happen. One team needs to lose, and if that's going to be the case, the Chargers and Raiders can tie, and then yes. they both yes. make it into the postseason. Yes. I, I want that. That's what yes. I want. Yes. It's it's the Colts and the Jags. If the Jags win, uh, yeah, there it is. a Raiders-Chargers tie puts both the Raiders uh, and Chargers yeah. in the playoffs. I'm disappointed the, the young man didn't cry more. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I thought more. for sure he'd be like screaming. I thought he'd be mad at you over like your Chicago Bulls take or something <laughs> and just start yelling. That would have been better. Well, he is John Von Tobel from VEASAN. You can hear him over there from 1 to 2. Follow him on Twitter at MeJBT. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, John. I thank my child. He didn't scream. Oh, well, we're go. disappointed at him, so that's okay. But See you, guys. See they haven't won since 2014? Are you serious? This is live now. The, it's, it's, it might happen. I am actively hoping that there's a dramatic collapse that like with 10 seconds left for some reason they call a screenplay and it just gets taken to the house and they lose to the Jags and suddenly Rich Passaccia kicks open a door and comes in and goes we're kneeling yeah because here because here's the other scenario this because the Steelers are still alive right if the Steelers lose to Baltimore. Not the way they're talking about Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> if the Steelers lose to Baltimore and the Colts lose to the Jags. And the Raiders lose. The, the Raiders, Raiders are in, in. The Raiders are in no matter what. Before Sunday night football right. is played. And if that happens, the Raiders are going to try to beat the Chargers. They're gonna, If they're already in, they're going to try to beat the Chargers. Of course. Because they're in and then they'd be playing for seeding. Because yeah. a win would get them, I think, the sixth seed in that scenario. Yeah. But if the Steelers beat the Ravens and the Jags beat the Colts, then we would go into Sunday night football. Winner of Chargers-Raiders goes to the playoffs with the Steelers. But if they both tie, they would knock the Steelers out, and both would go. Gentlemen's agreement, 3-3? You have to do it. Passaccia looking over across the field saying, uh, what do you think, what do you think? You have to do it. If you're the Chargers, if you're in that scenario, you have to do it. If it got to overtime... Yes. 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 If it yes. gets to overtime, then you you're don't not going to do it the whole game. But in all seriousness, if there if that scenario plays out where a tie puts them both in and the loser is out, right, and they get to overtime, oh yes, here you go. We're hand not even giving it to Josh Jacobs. We're, we're giving it to 
Peyton Barber. Yeah. Jalen Richard's getting every Josh carry. Josh wouldn't even be in the game. No, not even. Ah, we don't want him getting hurt. Yeah, <laughs> not even. And he fumbles too much. He might yeah. get the Chargers a no, touchdown. Yeah, you also the, you Chargers just, get the ball at the two. Kick the field goal. Peterman. <laughs> no. Peterman. Hand it off. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, you drop back. That would be great. You better run. Car, you... car plays the first uh, first four quarters, and then Peterman comes in yep. front of uh, Nathan, warm up. We, we got this time. sealed up, guys. All right, here we go. We've got tickets to go see the Golden Knights and potentially the return of Marc-Andre Fleury. The Blackhawks are coming to Vegas. Marc-Andre Fleury's first time back at T-Mobile Arena since being traded away on Saturday. What's his number with the Blackhawks? 29, right? Oh, so yeah. it's the same. I assume. I, I, okay. See, and I, if you want, it's Flurry and the Blackhawks, do you want calling 29? You, you, I thought that would be the. Getting, I thought that would be the best way. Oh no, you're getting 29 calls with this. <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I'm probably getting 40. Yeah. I'm just gonna do the thing where yeah. I shut off the phones yeah. after I get Keep a win. Keep calling. Keep calling. You got a show. <laughs> here we go. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Jared did this to himself. Caller 29. <laughs> 702-364-1100. This ain't a team that's having fist fights on the sidelines. This ain't some clown show organization or something else, okay? You're locked in the press box. He went on a 10-minute rant Man. after they lost. Uh, you missed Adam Candy Oh, yesterday. my God. He went on a 10-minute rant. He minute. also went on a 10-minute rant about how pathetic the New York Giants are. That's his team. It is. Yeah, but yes. we also, if you were playing Adam Candy bingo, you got a James Dolan and the straight shots <laughs> reference, which is always delightful. They suck. And, and the report before they lost this past week to the Bears was that they're bringing Joe they're bringing Judge him back, back. Yeah. and Daniel Jones. Like, they might get rid of Dave Gettleman, which is like, all right, you've got four people that suck, and you're going to get rid of one of them. So I guess that's better than keeping all four, but it's still not good. I, I will say, idiot, like, idiot football brain that I have, you know, that survived concussions, hearing him say, like, that is like a 55-second speech, I was like, yeah, get him. You got you to gotta leave these men. <laughs> We're not a clown show organization. <laughs> if I was, I mean, you know, you tell me that as, what was it, Wellington? Who's the, who was Wellington the, Mara? Wellington Mara oh. the third. Yeah. If you told me that, I would go, this is a football man. <laughs> All right, give me the Joe Burrow sound. Okay. Everyone knows that mean, you know, F it. Jamar's down there somewhere. I'm going to just throw it up to him. He's going to make a play. This is after that. Jamar Chase that, had 260. Kid, that is how they beat the Chiefs. That and the refs. Jamar Chase won me my fantasy league. Congratulations. I loved him. Jamar Chase. My goodness. And I'll tell you what, going in that way, and I wouldn't have predicted that. I mean, he's usually good, but who in the world predicted 56 points from Jamar <laughs> have Chase? Have you ever, outside of Randy Moss, have you ever actually heard a quarterback go, eh, F he'll it. get it. Yeah. Throw it up there. So, is Joe Burrow going to make us look really dumb? Because just last week I asked you. Because he's Joe. Joe Burrow. He's still, <laughs> Are the Bengals the best team in the air? He's still pro football focus number one QB, right? But we had him in the second group. Yes. And last week we had this yeah, conversation and we said no. And then he goes and throws for 470 yeah. against the Chiefs. And the Bengals win the AFC North. Didn't and... he also have a 500-yard game? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, was, that was last yeah. week. So that was last, last week. Last when, two that weeks, was last week after he was number one in the PFF. He's got like 970 yards or something crazy like that, and a bad knee. Yeah, like yeah. is he is he about to make us look dumb? Where we're like, you know, we don't think he's in that top uh, tier. Is he about to like go win the Super well, Bowl? Who is our four? Rogers, Brady, Mahomes. That was that, that was kind of that was kind of that was a top tier. Then there's like Allen and Lamar Jackson for like diff for like oh they can use their legs. Yeah. Mm. Like, is he about to make us look dumb and go, like, win a Super Bowl? 
Well, they are the best team in the AFC. You haven't asked me that yet today. So they might, he might well go win a Super Bowl. If they play, that was a huge win against the Chiefs to beat that team. I know it was at home, and but that was may have been that's some a ref, confidence builder. Uh, referee yeah. interference. I know, uh, I know. Uh, Bitter. Listen to Jared over here. He sounds yes. like a Raiders fan. <laughs> It's all oh, the refs fault. come on. Raiders, it's all the refs' fault. They they hate us. They, they stop them on fourth and one, and then it's just like, all right, hold on. Let's huddle up and find out. <laughs> Let's figure out what they sounds, did wrong. Sounds like a Raiders fan. Spoken like a true Raider fan over Except there. Except we win. You didn't. I you mean, didn't, and you're blaming the refs. Where are they going to be? They're going to be like the three seed, which, uh, means, which means they'd have to go... To Kansas City I think they in the could, semis, they could be anywhere two to four still. Okay, well two. I think they still all have they a, have to do is go to Tennessee. I and think they, they might technically not be still have a path to the one, but I think it's it's two, three, or four are all pretty much wide okay. open for the Bengals. Yeah. If you get the two and you only have to go to Tennessee, you got a really good chance, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if they, they could genuinely get the two seed, and then they would host Kansas City, New England, or Buffalo right. in the in second the semis, round, yeah. assuming they beat the Raiders. <laughs> Or whoever the seventh seed is. And then, yeah, you go to concede. It is entirely possible. The AFC championship is Cincinnati at Tennessee. Yes. That is entirely possible, which would be fascinating if we had Bengals Titans. It'd be great. As an AFC title game. Would be fascinating if that's what we got. It would not be watched by many. No. (laughs) I'd still watch it. Oh no, we because we're we like we're sick. Yeah. In the Brady, head. Brady Rogers in the NFC, Titans Bengals in the AF. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of Tannehill. <laughs> All right, congratulations to Nick. He won the tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Blackhawks. He was called a number twenty nine. Good job, Nick. Good job, uh, Jared. <laughs> we're gonna give more tickets away tomorrow. No, do we have any more this week? Yes. Okay. Are you gonna? Are we gonna do caller twenty nine again? You can go two and nine. Take eleven. No, we gotta do seven. You want to do Jonathan Marchessault's number? <laughs> Figure it out. Eighty one. 